This is called governance. <laughs> okay. So, who's got a question? Uh, man down here. It's, uh, yep. particularly if they're under the influence of psychedelic drugs or alcohol and also under general anaesthetics. Ooh. Do you want to answer that, Mike? <laughs> uh, Mike's doing the answering. Yeah, I'm, I'm just holding the microphone. I thought you were going to do it. I was going to ask you, how do you get on when your wife gets difficult? <laughs> how does Janet yeah. Beelman feel when I'm in that condition? Yeah. OK, very good question. And uh, I think that when a person's under general anaesthetic, they are vulnerable. And often people forget that even though a person is not necessarily conscious with their mind, that their spirit hears everything going on around them. And so we uh, have, when someone goes through uh, an operation, we pray, get, insist, we get people to pray for the covering of the blood of Christ over them and for protection from all demonic uh, attachment uh, and break any words spoken. Sometimes I've prayed for people after a, a, a serious uh, long operation and then uh, took authority and broke all negative words uh, or words that belittle them. I broke the soul tie to the trauma of the break, uh, the, the cutting open of their body. Uh, took authority over spirits of shock and infirmity, commanded healing to progress. So there's a range of things you can do around that. I think you need to realize they're vulnerable Therefore, pray for the operation and then pray afterwards over the impact of the, the, uh, the trauma in their body as a consequence of the operation. Uh, in the situation where someone is uh, under the influence of drugs and out to it completely, first thing to see is that they, the moment they made their decision to take the drug, they were on the journey to the dark side. So it started with their decision. They're fully responsible for their decision. Once they go on the drugs, they open the doorway to the, the realm of uh, sorcery. Uh, uh, pharmaceutica is the word used to describe sorcery in the Bible. It's the word used for sorcery. So drugs and sorcery went together in the Old Testament cultures. So when people get into drugs and an altered state in mind, it opens the way for demons to come. So once they've done that and opened their life to it, then managing the situation and the person for safety is the first thing. Dealing with the, what's happened to them is a subsequent thing. So I would then so the main thing when the person's got on the drugs, you want to then manage and make the environment safe and make it safe for them. Sometimes it's hostile and you've got to get police involved and all that kind of stuff. Many dramas. So we've been through all of that. And, uh, but afterwards, they have to come to the place like everyone else where they recognise their problem and repent and take the journey through to freedom from what they've been looking for. Often when people are in drugs, there's deep pain that they're escaping from. And it's not always easy to get them to come and face that pain. Um, as a parent, if your child's uh, caught up with this, get into fasting and prayer and uh, don't hold judgments and anger. You can't. The Bible tells us that if we hold them in our heart, that God continues to work. So don't let go of them in your heart, even if you're hurt. Practice forgiveness, hold them in your heart, hold them to the throne of God and bind them to the Father's will and purpose and the destiny over their life, what God has planned for their life and command all spirits involved in addiction and sorcery and deception to go from their life. In other words, stand as the head of the household or in that headship function to command uh, the, the spirits that are coming around. 
and uh, you can do that. And it has effect, I can tell you now. It does have effect. Very good. Okay? Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Lady here in the black and blue, whatever it is. <laughs> black and blue. Um, so just, just to add on from that, a question about um, doctor-prescribed drugs such as long-term antidepressants, for example. Any comments on that? <laughs> That's a good one, isn't it? Eh? Yes, I see what you're saying. And uh, I think the first thing is I never condemn anyone or form a judgment about anyone who is taking medication to help them relieve the problems they're facing. Sometimes the problems are a chemical imbalance in the body that needs uh, sorting out. Sometimes there's deeper problems. So if people need medication, then they need the medication. I believe we should be praying and believing for their recovery, but patient with them in that. Sometimes it's not a simple thing and it doesn't happen immediately and it doesn't happen perhaps over a period of time. You can be very disheartened by it all. But I think the person needs to know that we're welcomed and accepted. You know, upon the weak, God puts more honor. So I never condemn people for the fact they take it. In fact, with uh, some, we have actually recommended before we do any ministry, they go to the doctor, get a prescription, get stable before we even start the ministry process. So I, I think you've got to watch that we don't get... We, we are help people spiritually and we don't, I don't engage in making comments about what doctors are doing and so on. They've got their own realm and they're, they're limited in what they can do. I talk with doctors who often feel frustrated that all they can prescribe is medication and they can't get to the real roots of the problem. So if there's depression, there will be a root cause of it somewhere. It didn't just arrive, it came. Uh, and maybe it is in the physical chemical makeup, but maybe there's something underneath it, uh, long-standing uh, issues, uh, anxiety and fear or unresolved unforgiveness and anger. There could be all of these things. So I would encourage the person not to be condemned, to continue to worship the Lord and do what they can to grow in their work, with, walk with the Lord. And I'd, I'd refer them for help on the heart healing journey. Because frequently the problems we see physically are a reflection of, uh, of issues of the heart. There's a very good book by uh, Dr. Henry Wright. I'm trying to remember what it is now. What's it called? Wright. You're right. You should know. Uncle Henry. <laughs> a more excellent way. Thank you, Ian. That was good. A more excellent way. And I find that's almost like a go-to book about physical sicknesses and some of the spiritual and emotional roots behind it. Henry Wright, and it's a more excellent way. Just right very there. helpful. Right? Did I get it right? Very right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I hope that helped. We have time for another question. Yep, man over here. Josh. Hey, Mike, how do you um, fit in the, the theology around generational curses with the theology that the old is gone and the new has come? I've seen some, some preachers, well-known preachers, preaching against the idea of generational curses, that when you become a Christian, that's it, start over. Okay, and they probably don't move in deliverance either. <laughs> I find most of the people who, who have uh, opinions or views related to it are not operating in this realm. Uh, that's the first thing, and um, although see, and I'd have frequently people come out, all, all dealt with at the cross. Well, also everyone in the world was saved at the cross, but we don't see it manifesting. Yeah. 
So there is a part we must play, and that is that we must appropriate for ourselves what Jesus did on the cross. So when we come to Christ, there is a new beginning. We have a, a new identity. We have the Spirit of God comes to dwell within us, but there's still yet to be a working out of our salvation, implying then that parts of our life still are in need of transformation. And those are the places where the demonic activities take place. Um, you know, to deny generational curses would be to deny generational blessings. Uh, you know, Jesus uh, paid the price to redeem us from the curse of the law, which is generational. So if he paid a price to redeem us from something, there must be something there he paid that price for. He paid the price to redeem us from the curse of the law so that the blessing uh, uh, of Abraham might come upon us that we might receive the Holy Ghost through faith. So faith appropriates freedom from curses. Faith appropriates uh, the Holy Ghost and all his provision. It's always by faith. It's never automatic. So there is much provided for us at the cross, but it doesn't come automatically. It comes by faith. And uh, that would be probably just a short answer I'd give on that one, I think. Is that enough? Okay. That, that's the position. It's like we have a part in working out our salvation. To me, it's like the land was given to them, but they had to go and possess it. They had to break down each stronghold, overcome the hidden kings, and deal with it. And so in our journey, we still have areas we're struggling with that in the journey, which is under God's supervision, he brings the things up so we can then face them and address them and overcome them. And I found in our experience that some ministries that have been wonderful, uh, very fruitful, because of failing to deal with the hidden heart issues, then sabotage their life a little bit later on when they're very effective. Very sad. And I've seen many ministries that are great influences and then they crashed because there was underneath it a secret area that they had been hurt or molested or defiled and they never got anyone minister to them healing and deliverance that could have set them free. Absolutely tragic. So um, I tend to take the line that, you know, like Jesus said after talking about deliverance, if you don't gather with me, you scatter. So I want to be believing in deliverance, believing in healing and gathering with Jesus through this area and not scattering people. Anyway, there we go. I won't go any further. I'll get One last question. Yep, Denise. Yep, thank, thanks, Mike. Um, have you ever dealt with people with bipolar or multiple uh, personalities disorder who've come to you for help? Uh, <laughs> good question. Good question. Actually, I haven't had so many with that, no. Um, I've had uh, very little contact with that, and so I can't offer a lot around that area. But dealing with multiple personalities uh, is a whole skill set of its own. Certainly deliverance is a part of that. But the problem is if all the, the only tool you've got is a hammer, then every problem's a nail. And so if all you've learned is deliverance, then you try to cast all these multiple demons out, whereas in fact, actually, they represent a fractured part of the soul that has tried to reason or find a way of coping with pain. And so dealing with alters and alternative personalities, they have to be addressed one at a time, and then their role, you know, finished and completed, that they're no longer needed anymore, and we can let that person go. So I haven't had much personal experience with that myself. I have read a little bit on it, and there's some excellent material on it. And uh, I think Guy Heisler, Robert Heisler, has written some excellent material on that. So uh, again, if you're facing one of those, it's welcome to God's learning opportunity, you know. <laughs> and so a bipolar thing, I think the first thing is get them stable before looking then 
at those roots. And sometimes there's both um, rejection and rebellion sitting underneath it. And then it flops into rejection and depression and flops into the rebellion and it's all out over the top. And again, I would probably start off with them getting them stable physically before trying to deal with anything. Because if they're not stable, then you'll have these extreme highs and lows. And we, we actually have come across them and had them. And the first thing to do was get them to the doctor and get them stable before we try and help them. In fact, I have to forbid people praying for one person. Do not go for prayer for anyone except us. Now, here's the interesting thing. I said, now, I do not want you to go ask any person for prayer except this is the one person you can approach for prayer. Now, that's actually putting a boundary around it. I said, secondly, I want you to go to the doctor and seek whatever help. And thirdly, I want you to talk to your family to make sure your family are engaged with your problem. In other words, this is not us trying to fix. It's actually a combined thing. Well, you know, she still went to everyone. And she didn't go to the doctor. And our family rang up very angry about what we were doing. I said, And when they were relieved, when we said, listen, we forbade all forms of ministry and counsel except through one accepted channel, and she has rebelled against it. So she's showing up. It's not just about this disorder. It's actually a deep root of resistance to being boundaried. And it's now flushed up, which needs a deep repentance and see where it all came in and so on. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Wow. Uh, we're going to call it quits there. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so much. No doubt there's going to be a lot more questions over time. Um, very good. So have a great rest, Mike.